Solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? There are few, if any, positives to come out of what happened in Israel, but one of them is opening America's eyes to how higher education has become indoctrination. The same students who will tell you that words are violence and silence is violence were very supportive when Hamas terrorists went on a rape and murder rampage worthy of the Vikings. They knew where to point the fingers at the murdered, and then it was off to ethics class. Now, I recognize that a certain amount of foolishness is expected of college kids, but mixing Jägermeister and tomato juice isn't the same as siding with terrorists. (laughs) They've convinced themselves Israel is the most repressive regime in history because they have no knowledge of history. And actual history doesn't come up in their intersectionality of politics and genderqueer identities class. Because college life today is a day spa combined with a North Korean re-education camp. The fact that college presidents, who usually love to speak out about anything, couldn't find their voice to condemn the worst attacks in the Holocaust is a lot about who really controls colleges and why, if ignorance is a, is a disease, Harvard Yard is the Wuhan wet market. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Delighted to be with you. And I'm going to say it all day. One and a half million podcast downloads. That is tremendous. Wendy Bell Radio, wherever you get your favorite podcast material. Search us, follow us, give us a five-star review. We appreciate you being part of our family. You know, in that open with Bill Maher talking about what's going on in college campuses, it's almost like these folks have been asleep. You know, I... It was 30 odd years for me to go to college. 35 years, 30 years ago, right? I have college kids now. One graduated, one is a senior, one is on his way, and two others in the pipeline, right? We're paying close attention to what's going on in college campuses. This is nothing new. They've been teaching indoctrination, liberal activism, progressivism since 1988 when I was a freshman at the University of Colorado. I just thought it was one of the things... That happened at the foot of, of the of the Flatirons in Boulder, Colorado. I thought that was just the community. Everybody was along with the same stuff. I didn't agree with it, but no, no, no. It's been way more pervasive all over the place. There is a there is a true disease out there. I don't understand it. And I know personally people in my immediate life who went to college and came back home and were fundamentally changed. They had their clone trooper chips activated. And it's scary as nuts. And when you turn on the television, which I very rarely do because most most things on television suck, right? When I do and I see people like Nicole Wallace from MSNBC, this woman is a noxious, triggered activist. But it's it's gotten to a degree... That I'm not joking when I say this. I'm not making fun of her any more than I think it's reasonable to make fun of John Fetterman. They are disgraceful in my mind. 
representatives of, of fact or governance in this country. They deserve to be called out. This is scary. Nicole Wallace has one of her triggered panels on. And she's going to be talking to a woman named Mary McCord. It's the only two voices you're going to hear. Nicole Wallace and you're going to hear Mary McCord. Mary was a lawyer for the U.S. House in past iterations of government. I don't know when. I don't care. But you need to hear this disconnect. Because if Joe Biden was really great for America, if our lives were better, if our financial situations had improved, if we felt safer, if the quality of education was improved, if anything was better, the realist in you would have to notice that. And then you would you would do an examination of your own policies and say, well, I, I guess I was wrong. These Democrats, they they really know how to get stuff done. But of course, that's not the case. Life was undeniably safer, more secure, more financially realistic for all of us under Donald Trump. And instead of talking about real issues, these people on these programs have one pinata that they've beaten to death. And it's Donald Trump. And every single day, they'll find new ways to take a swing at the body of that horse, whack, hoping that more Tootsie Rolls are going to fall out of it. But conversely, what's really going on is more and more people are waking up. It's got to be terrifying. I want you to hear a series of audio sound bites that make me believe that this is truly a disease. It is a diagnosis, a Trump derangement diagnosis. It's crazy. It's ugly. It's crazy. And it's, wow, you've got to decide for yourself. So out of the gates, the whole argument that we're going to be having here is that Liz Cheney, who's not even remotely a Republican, and we all know this, is coming out deluded, thinking she's going to run for, for president. For which party? Right? I mean, the Republicans in Wyoming booted her. She's done. But she's not done. Because she doesn't get it. Because they never get it. They're ensconced in this bubble of suck whose nucleus is Washington, D.C. And and she's going to talk, Nicole Wallace is going to talk like colloquially, colloquially, friendly-ish about Elizabeth Cheney. Liz, they're good friends, right? Liz Cheney was talking about this, and she's going to drop a lie that's very standard about what Donald Trump said about Hezbollah after Hamas massacred more than a 1,000 Jews a couple weeks ago. And this is the launch pad from which we get to diagnose and basically surgically dig into what Trump derangement syndrome looks like. It's crazy. Here's audio soundbite number one. Listen. I am interested in what Liz Cheney says, Mary, but I'm more interested in when she says it. And it was interesting to me that she was out yesterday. I mean, she it's the first time she's spoken since Trump celebrated Hezbollah, called them, quote, very smart. That is a complete misrepresentation of what Donald Trump said. Because he said they operate in very smart ways. If you underestimate people who hate you and want to kill you, they will kill you. Donald Trump said the truth. Hezbollah has operated in a smart fashion. They've been planning and plotting 
And they executed something in a smart and disgusting, savage, barbaric way. Telling the truth about it doesn't mean you're celebrating it. Doesn't mean you're saying that's a good thing. Nicole, you hack. But she's going to continue bloviating. And she's going to say that Donald Trump, can you imagine how much worse off we would be if Donald Trump was president? How much more everything would be dangerous in this country? Listen to her continue. And it's the first time that I think a broad coalition of Americans realizes that if Donald Trump were president right now, the world would be a much, much more dangerous place. That's a factually idiotic statement. Much more dangerous? Who didn't have war? Who had Middle East peace? Who negotiated with all sorts of people? Who had a relationship with China? Right? Who had a relationship with Mexico? Donald Trump. And who under Donald Trump was doing hand over fist better than they are doing now? All of us. Nicole. And then she's going to say everything in the world is going to absolute hell. But I want to focus on the only thing I know how to talk about, and that's Donald Trump. Go. Number three. With the Middle East on a, on a hair trigger, um, with threats of violence at home, with Jewish American communities, with Muslim American communities terrified right now, the country probably couldn't handle a Trump presidency, wherein his own chief of staff described him as, quote, the most damaged human being he'd ever seen. And a couple of defense secretaries were out the door for cause, for things they saw that gave them concern about U.S. national security. This is what you are receiving if you sit down and are one of the handful of people who still watch the news. This is the message that MSNBC viewers receive. And it's on an endless drip. The IV is connected to them and it doesn't stop. Can you imagine if Donald Trump, yeah, we can, because we wouldn't be in this situation, Nicole. Finally, in audio soundbite number four, she might make it to an actual question of her panel. Let's see, go. How do you assess this moment again about 12 months ahead of another presidential election? It took a minute and six seconds for her to get to that question. How do you make sense of this? They are terrified. They are terrified not just of Donald Trump. They are terrified of you. And they see everything that you and I see, and they know it sucks. And they are petrified. And they're hoping if they swing enough at that pinata, they're going to dislodge it from the rope, hanging around the tree. It's going to fall. They can stomp on it, set it on fire and be done with it. But they will not be done with the tens of millions of Americans who are not dissuaded by the MAGA moniker. In fact, we wear it as a badge of honor because in my lifetime, up until recently, loving America, was what everybody did. Loving America and American exceptionalism was what we celebrated. It's what we taught in school, along with history and cursive and show your math. But now what is it? We're going to introduce a new form of history. It's called the 1619 Project of Suck. Doing cursive is racist. Showing your math is discriminatory. And we long ago gave up trying to create thinkers. We want droids who are all activated by our chip. 
and it gets worse. Trump derangement on full display, and it's not funny. It is an illness. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. All right, she's so worried. Nicole Wallace is about to cry. She cannot imagine Donald Trump getting back into office. You know what? The best thing that would happen to these news channels, these cable outfits, is for Donald Trump to get back into into office because they hemorrhaged 90% of their freaking viewership when he left. You hope he gets into office, Nicole. You hope. So here's Mary McCord. She's some former House lawyer. And she says, you know, Trump says this wouldn't have all happened under him. Please, can you imagine how dangerous the world would be? These people have no problem lying to your face. And I have to ask myself, do they really believe this? Or are they just spinning the suck because they know their team is a disaster? Listen to her answer. Go. I think Liz Cheney had it exactly right, right? It is incredibly dangerous to even think about a man like Mr. Trump becoming the president again. And just taking your example of what's happened in Israel, of course, one of the first things that Mr. Trump said is if I were still president, this would have never happened. I, who, di- who would disagree with that? We went through all of the wars from the past several presidents. Who's the one who didn't get into one? That'd be Donald Trump. But then she's going to, unfortunately, this is the la- one of the last ones. She's going to try to tell you how much greater Joe Biden is than Donald Trump. Can you imagine? If that man gets back into office, oh my heavens. Oh, kumbaya, Joe Biden. And then I've got something from the Huffington Post, which is a little finger in her eye. You're going to appreciate it. There, Here's audio soundbite number six. Go. But what I do uh, think would be um, hard to imagine is that he would have reacted the same way that our government has reacted in terms of, I think, trying to really slow down um, some of the, you know, the ground assault and some of the things that Israel was talking about doing to retaliate. Now, granted, they have. I shouldn't say retaliate because this is a foreign terrorist organization that committed that attack. They have every right under international law to take to take action against that foreign terrorist organization. But our administration rightly um, recognized that, you know, they have to do so in accordance with the laws of war and to make sure that the Palestinian people that have no alignment, those who have no alignment with Hamas are not, uh, you know, killed unnecessarily, deprived of humanitarian assistance unnecessarily. And it it sounds from the most recent reporting that the administration has gone to great pains to sort of slow down a potential potential ground attack to obviously have a significant role in the release of hostages. Oh, for the love of all that is holy. We're trying to bring down the temperature. We're trying to negotiate. Thank goodness there's Joe Biden to fly over to Israel and interject and, in, in you know, insert himself into a war that we've basically helped create. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Donald Trump couldn't do it. Well, you know what? It's so funny that you should say that because all of a sudden I have this report from the Huffington Post that there is a mutiny brewing inside the State Department over the Israel-Palestine policy of the administration. What's that? That, Mary McCord, this wonderful job that you say Joe Biden and his administration is doing to cool things down, to get those hostages back, to be a great negotiator. Are you kidding me? He's got people inside the State Department who are ready to revolt. How about this? President Joe Biden's approach to the ongoing violence in Israel and Palestine is fueling mounting tensions at the U.S. government agency most involved in foreign policy, the State Department. 
Officials telling the Huffington Post that Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and his most senior advisors are overlooking widespread internal frustration. Some department staff say they feel as if Blinken and his team are uninterested in their own experts' advice as they focus on supporting Israel's expanding operation in Gaza, where the Palestinian militant group Hamas is based. Wait, there's not that warm kumbaya feeling? We've got some dissent? Nobody's paying attention to you at the State Department? Welcome to the rest of us! Why do you think I'm so I'm so done with the congressman in my area? Mike Kelly. I will listen to who these speaker candidates are and I will make the best. It's not about you, yo. It's about we the people. And we the people don't want to get involved in a war. This is not complicated. This Mary McCord's having a really hard time. She's trying to dig herself out of the poo hole that she's dug herself in. As Nicole Wallace needs a couch and therapy now. And I don't want to suggest that it's been a perfect response, but imagine if Donald Trump were in office after that attack. Is that the way he would have reacted? It's hard for me to imagine because to his mind, you know, power is in, you know, your force and your use of force. And again, you know, right after the attack, he was saying this wouldn't happen because he would have shown power through force. I find that, um, you know, terrifying to even think what would be happening right now in Israel if he were the president. Well, what's terrifying about peace? What's terrifying about that? Because you're right. Donald Trump wouldn't behave this way because we would not be in this position. They need to have war to keep us spending out of control. Get involved in another war with no end, no receipts, and use emotion to pull at your strings. It's okay, we're gonna bankrupt your grandchildren, but it's the right thing to do. I'm sorry, that's a hard no. Do not go anywhere. Live with Wendy Bell Radio Network correspondent from Mexico, Oscar Blue, just back from Israel. He's going to tell you what he saw next. Welcome back to the Wendy Bell Radio program. It is a joy in this network that we have built to have multiple voices in North America. Obviously, I handle the the United States. We have our friend Wayne Peters handling things for us north in Canada and Oscar Blue in Tijuana, Mexico. Oscar, I'm just so excited that you are home after really taking what must have been a life-changing trip to Israel. So I'm glad you're back. Just go. Tell us what you experienced. The floor is yours. Good morning, Ms. Wendy. Uh, good morning to the Wendy Bell Radio listeners. Thank you for having me on. Uh, really life-changing experiences. I have been in multiple places that is a crisis, and that is a humanitarian crisis and an epicenter of life and death experiences. But this has completely changed my life uh, in terms to seeing what a real conflict of war uh, that is, uh, you know, practically doing broadcasts and seeing a missile go by on top of your head and seeing another one coming in. It's really difficult to digest and to tell the story when you have this going on behind you and there's an artillery of men uh, fighting each other. And uh, it, just, it was really difficult to understand. Uh, we, you see the part of Israel, you see the part of Palestine, of the innocent people of Palestine 
You will see, uh, you know, we have statements of soldiers saying this is not against the innocent people of Palestine. This is against the terrorist organizations of Hezbollah and Hamas. As a matter of fact, the soldiers of, of the IDF of Israel have said we are trying to protect the people of Palestine, but, you know, this is against these terrorist organizations. And uh, it's just, it's just, it was just so bad. In, in a way, uh, we try to do our jobs uh, to stay neutral, but the emotion to be right there and in the physical exhaustion to, to just drain everything that is going on at once, it was just so, uh, it was uh, psychologically draining, uh, Ms. Wendy. What did you see when you were in Israel? What did you see that has shaken you? Because, Oscar, we've listened to you as and watched you make the life, you know, dan- the dangerous trek through the Darien Gap, watching where migrants are coming um, up through your country and into ours. This is different, though. So w- what was it that got you? It clearly was. Uh, it's always been the children at first, uh, the young kids, uh, that they have to go and live on a bunker when the siren uh, goes off. And just to see their faces, that they don't know what's going on, and, and they go to a bunker and they are laughing with their mom and dad, and their mom is telling them, it's a, you know, it's just, uh, it's just a siren. It's, it, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be okay. They don't know what's going on, but on top of the house, you will hear explosions. You will hear uh, multiple bombings and, and, you know, and scream and other people screaming for, for just to, to safeguard themselves in another house. Uh, that was completely life changing to, to, to listen to the soldiers that they were there on the October 7 brutal massacre attacks that happened between Hezbollah and Hamas. And Here are their experiences of they have lost, uh, family members. They have lost friends. Uh, you know, that they were, and I will say it uh, in this words, uh, Ms. Wendy, and excuse me to the audience, uh, that they were decapitated uh, to hear things like that uh, and then ultimately uh, to be part of a, a, you know, a missile attack and to go to a bunker consistently with the IDF soldiers, with, with you know, with me and my colleague Chuck Holton, that they were there, that we were there uh, to, to, you know, all of a sudden you are driving and you have to stop and, and put yourself on the floor because there's another explosion coming. And, you know, that consistently, it's really dramatic. And we went to a, we went to a place that is called Ezderot, but it steps away from, uh, from the Gaza Strip, uh, and that it has been consistently attacked yesterday with missiles. And to get the reaction of people, uh, it's, it's really scary to, to just look at them. And they, you can see it in their eyes, you can see it in their face, that they, this, is, this, this has been brutal. For them, and, you know, dealing with terrorists, uh, with suicide bombers, with you know, a, a town that is a ghost town uh, that you will see blood everywhere on the floor, on the streets, on the walls. It's just, it was just brutal to see that, Ms. Wendy. Did you get any chance to to go to the Iron Wall? I mean, this would have been the border that had been so um, secure for so many years. I mean, it's got a concrete base to prevent tunneling, and the and the ease with which it seemed like Hamas on on October seventh was able to come across and terrorize those Israeli neighborhoods. It just doesn't add up to me, um, Oscar. Were you able to see any of that? They will not let us in into that particular part, and there's a lot of reasons why. Uh, we went to towns that they were attacked, and they were taken over by a cover seven on this brutal attack by Hamas. Uh, we went to those towns. We talked we, we talked to a few citizens, and those are the towns that I'm telling you, Ms. Wendy, that there's blood all over the place, on the streets, on the walls, on, on the houses. 
it is a, it is, they have evacuated all those places. So it, 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 it looks like a ghost town. There's, there's people that are still living there that they don't want to leave. But they will not let us go all the way to the Gaza Strip. There's two ways that you can get in. One way, it was through the IDF getting a permission. We, were, we had our credentials, and they will actually tell you this was the last, this is the last checkpoint that you are going to be allowed. And it is just, you know, I will say six to ten blocks away from the Gaza Strip, from particularly, you know, the division between Gaza and, and Israel. But they will not let us in all the way through. And if you go through, they will tell you it's on your own life, uh, you know, uh, decision. And the life expectancy for you to go all the way to the wall is 110% that you're possibly not going to come out of there alive because there's constantly artillery attacks, there's constantly rockets uh, coming in consistently. As we were in the part also of Kiryat Shamona, that is the border with Lebanon and the north borders. And over there is also, you know, constant attacks. You will see military uh, all over the place. These young military aged men from Israel that are coming from all parts of the world uh, to join forces to fight against these terrorist organizations. Uh, all, all, the, all Israel is all civilians armed with long artillery guns. You will see uh, tanks all over the place, you know, guarding, safeguarding the borders. But that is, that is as far as that we can get. Uh, they will tell you, you know, exactly, the, armed, the IDF armed forces, they will tell you. If you go all the way to the front, you will see that there is, you know, a life and death expectancy that is more possibility that you're going to get shot and survive. And, you know, we have seen the numbers. Uh, apparently, there's between 16 to 20 journalists that they have been confirmed that they have been uh, shot or between uh, missile attacks uh, dead. Uh, and these are journalists uh, that they have been in the Gaza Strip studying this phenomenon for months. Uh, for us to arrive there, to go in there, it was really difficult and to step away from the Gaza Strip, but we cannot go all the way to the front because of this prevention this winter. So who accompanies you? I mean, I understand after a certain point, they say you're on your own. But how hard was it for you to get there? And then did you have somebody accompanying you and making sure you were safe or you really were on your own as, a, as an independent member of the media? Uh, I was there uh, with a former ranger, and I consider him my mentor, uh, is uh, Mr. Chuck Holton. Uh, he is a war correspondent. Also, he works for different media. He works for CBN, uh, Christian Broadcasting Network, and also for Newsmax. Uh, I was there with him. So he has been in multiple wars broadcasting and, and you know, and doing multiple, you know, uh, coverages. Uh, so he knows where to go and where not to go. I also asked him at one particular time, I said, Chuck, is it good for us to go all the way to the Gaza Strip? And he's, he, is, he has been into multiple wars as a, as a former ranger. So he said, Oscar, if you want to live, uh, and if you love your family, you know, I prefer for you to listen to the authorities, not put your life at risk. And coming from a former ranger itself, uh, you know, you, you have to take that advice to understand that we are at a war. Uh, and then we went to different locations that we were at life risk. Uh, one location, I will tell you, Ms. Wendy, this experience that happened to us. We were in the top of the cliff at Kiliat Shamona, that is steps from the border uh, of Lebanon. And these civil police, there are multiple civil police in, in, uh, in automobiles and with normal cars just patrolling the neighborhoods. Uh, this uh, civil police uh, automobile stepped into where we are about to do a broadcast around 6 o'clock at night. He got out with his 9mm gun. It was uh, Israel civil police. And he started pointing at us to kneel down. 
And at that particular point, we, we thought to ourselves, he's going to shoot. Uh, and he told us, get on the floor. Uh, who are you? Uh, he didn't speak uh, English, so we were just getting our credentials out with the, with the threat that he possibly was going to shoot. Uh, we showed him our credentials. He, he told us to get up, go, go, go. Uh, he followed us all the way to the Israel checkpoint, of military checkpoint. And from there, the majority of Israel soldiers, they know how to speak English. So we had to explain ourselves to them with a gun, with a gun pointed at, at our, almost at our heads. That we were not, you know, infiltrated individuals that we were trying to record. And they said, well, you are in a really difficult area, so you, you must understand the tension. So those kind of situations happen to us not only once, Ms. Wendy. It happened to us two to three times where civil security and private security will come up to us, you know, pointing their guns into our, you know, into our bodies and saying, well, who are you? I, I understand that you're pressed, but you need to understand where you are, the locations that you are. So we were so vulnerable to those situations, plus adding to the fact that Hezbollah uh, and Hamas have not stopped the attacks on the north borders and the south borders. They want to cease fire, but they're, they're shooting missiles between 15 to 20 uh, a day. And that is consistently. The only difference is that the Israel authorities have this protection dome, which is taking down the missiles consistently. And in, in, in the contrast with, with, the, with Hezbollah and Hamas, they don't have that. So that's why the, the mortality rate on the other side is much higher than in the Israel rate. But that was, you know, some kind of experiences that we had in those middle of, of those neighborhoods, Ms. Wendy. Have you heard anything about the U.S. hostages? Do you know where they are? Is there any information coming out? Because we here are getting zero. No, they, they, they don't tell us. The only thing that, are, that we have asked are, you know, that possibly they are located. Uh, there's multiple tunnels that, that Hamas and Hezbollah they have, uh, and, and they, they know that actually they're hiding there, but it is really difficult for the IDF's Authorities to be to be uh, attacking those tunnels and to be attacking several several areas, which are they're considered vulnerable because possibly the hostages are there, and they don't know how to attack and they don't know how to get in. Now, we know that there's more than 200 of them that they're still there, uh, and they, and it is their only way that they're that we are getting that information when we were talking to the soldiers is that they're going to release them under negotiation that is not going to be under a restriction to say. We want peace, and we are going to release them because we want peace. No, it's always going to be under one circumstance of negotiation, whether they're going to open the borders with Egypt, whether they're going to let in uh, supplies in from Egypt, or whether they're going to let in open the borders of Egypt so people from Gaza can go and refuge in Egypt. That is the only way that uh, ultimately they can get that uh, particular, uh, you know, uh, that they can negotiate with hostages. Other than that, uh, they're not going to release the hostages. That is what we are getting from information of the IDF, that it's, it's always going to be with these terrorist organizations. They're always trying to negotiate with an advantage. The advantage is for that right now, right. because the strategy is to make them rain, make them tired, uh, hit their supply chamber, hit places, uh, you know, hit places where they are getting their supplies or they are possibly getting their intelligence. And, you know, until now, they haven't released no statement of they are going to release more. Oscar, hang tight. I'm going to hit this quick break. I, I want to ask him when we come back. We hear from the legacy media here in the United States. Joe Biden is bringing down the temperature. We're trying to find some peaceful resolution. I wonder what his reputation is like. What do people in the Middle East 
think of America and this administration? Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. So we welcome back our friend and Wendy Bell Radio Network correspondent from Mexico, Oscar Blue, who is just back from Israel. Oscar, we've known you for a few years now, and you've told us about the horrors that you've witnessed um, as migrants have made the, the deadly trip through your country into ours, sir. And you've seen you've seen mutilated bodies. You've seen bodies stuck in the mud in the Darien Gap. Um, I have to ask you. Is Israel, was that harder for you? Uh, it's, it's different. It's just a different feeling. Uh, I think that it's, it's, it's uh, the PTSD <laughs> that I have experienced uh, this time. Uh, it's a little bit hard uh, because, uh, you know, you is the constant bombings, the constant rockets coming in, the constant missiles. Uh, and I do not, you know, bear to imagine what these, uh, you know, two countries are going through in terms to uh, the children, in terms to the families and the innocents that they are, you know, suffering because of this war. Uh, and what happened on the 7th of October, that it, it was total brutal and, and this was demonic uh, with these terrorist organizations. So uh, I believe that this has been, uh, for me, uh, a life-changing experience in terms to understanding this conflict. Uh, it's different. It's different as when you, you know you go inside the jungle and you see children that are drowning, and, and you get in there and you try to help, and you, you try to talk to migrants and let them know this is not the way. And this over here, you cannot talk to people because if you get too close, you will be basically shot and killed. So it's different situations, but both of them they're really strong. So I I, I cannot dif- make a difference out of uh, both of them, but it's it, the two of them they're really you know emotional for me. They're really strong in terms to handling the emotion of every single occasion. Oscar, here in um, in America, we are told from our media that Joe Biden is uh, is doing a good job. He's he's trying to lower the temperature there. What is the response in Israel um, and in the Gaza Strip about the president of the United States? Mm-hmm. Uh, he came and, and, and created a bigger problem. Uh, uh, we were there when he uh, and also I had I will tell you this uh, as, as another experience. If you want to ask me about this, Ms. Wendy, I went into the where Jesus was, uh, uh, you know, his tomb when Jesus was put to rest, and I encountered the governor of New York as I was in there. But I will tell you that, uh, you know, after if you want to ask me about that. But uh, in terms of the visit of uh, of Joe Biden, uh, there is a really famous journalist in uh, in Israel who said he just came to make the worse the problem and humiliate us. Uh, one of the things that Joe Biden, in his summary, what he said in in the table was that he Israel must not give Hezbollah a planted blow, which means uh, you know Israel cannot attack uh, Hezbollah anymore. And also, uh, they told uh, Joe Biden to, to the Israel government that it's forbidden to occupy the street, the strip, and also they are warned that they are warned Israel. He's warning Israel to go against harming civilians. So practically. He's telling them, do not retaliate, do not defend yourselves, and let Hezbollah and Hamas continue the attacks over you. So it's pretty humiliating. As a lot of the Israel people, they thought that it was going to come and completely change the perspective and to say, let's eradicate, let's eliminate this problem, let's, let's try to take over these terrorist organizations, let's fix this, and let's create peace between Palestine and Israel, the, the innocent people of Palestine and Israel. But he completely was the opposite. He came, he humiliated the Israel forces, 
uh, and also uh, you just look down on them and tell them you cannot attack anymore. You cannot, you know, you cannot retaliate. But ultimately, Israel is not listening to Joe Biden. Uh, they're going to fight this war without the United States or with the United States. Uh, Israel thought that the United States is the greatest ally, and right now Joe Biden is not the ally of Israel. Right. And, and as a matter of fact, that the ally, it looks like he's the ally of this terrorist organization. That's what they- Oscar, I do want to talk at some point about Kathy Hochul, why the hell she was there, but not right now. What is what do you want everyone listening to know? <clears throat> we need God in our in our lives. Really. I was just going to say uh, Dios. It's it, it really. Excuse me. I was going to say we need uh, Dios. Yes, we need God in our lives. That's what we need. Uh, we need to pray a lot. Uh, these are biblical times, and I am a true. Uh, you know, I'm. I, I really, I started believing a lot in in, in the Bible, uh, more in the Bible. So I'm, I'm a Catholic myself, born Catholic, uh, but I have been hanging around these Christian uh, former military ex U.S. former military guys, uh, you know, men that they are surrounded by God and they and they believe strongly in the Bible. And and these are biblical times, Wendy, that we're living, and we need to pray a lot. We need to unite ourselves to to create an atmosphere of peace. But also we need to create men, again, to be men, and to women to be women, and to the unity of family. That is what is basically destroying. And it is clear that it's a fight between evil and, and good and evil, and that is what is actually happening. Uh, we need to also create a, a, a message of peace, not a message of division. Uh, you know, the, the only president that has given the best response in the world has been Donald Trump. And he said to the CNN media, we want, I want people to stop dying. And that is basically what we what we need. We need these wars to end, to come to peace, and to have an in, 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 in agreement to, to stop the massacre on every side of the border. Oscar Blue, ladies and gentlemen, you can buy him a coffee, which is a way to make a $5 donation to what he does for us and for others around the world um, by going to the Wendy Bell Radio Network uh, page and click on contributors. You'll see Oscar's face and profile and you can make the donation there. Oscar, you stay safe and you come back soon. Yes. Yes, Ms. Wendy. Of course. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on your on your program, and, and, and God bless every single one of you and all the Wendy Bell Radio listeners that have been supporting me. Thank you so much. Uh, big hug to Mr. Brock. Thank hmm. you so much, Ms. Wendy. Stay safe, Oscar. You're in our prayers. Quick time out. Hour number three of the Wendy Bell Radio program next. <laughs> 